0: Are you ready for the out-of-context summary? Yes. Truly out-of-context for you now. Ethan and Madison make a dirty motel room even dirtier. Shelby becomes a prescription drug addict? And Madison's butt, yes, because it is its own character, almost turns into a rump roast.
1: Why am I not surprised about more Ethan and Madison scenes? I hope she doesn't become Sean's stepmom. (laughs) Uh, no comment. <laughs> Thank you for coming
0: back from our replay reviews. My name is Leah.
1: And my name is Kathy.
0: We are two friends who are here to replay, review, and analyze your favorite video games. And since Kathy has never seen the games before, it helps me view them through her fresh eyes, almost like I'm discovering them again for the first time.
1: We hope it will be a similar experience for you. There's a lot to discuss right out of the gate on this one. Oh my gosh. Madison. She only knew Ethan, I think, less than four days. In terms of the duration spent together, probably less than 24 hours, I would say.
0: Yes. Okay. Let's t- let's take her from the top. Okay. So she finds him in his motel room. So for some reason, she's there again. He confesses to killing Brad but Madison either ignores this or assumes that he's just believing he's the origami killer because he doesn't say who he killed and so she says that she can prove he's not the killer but do you think she knows that he killed someone? I think she
1: doesn't care
0: okay, because that's my question someone says I killed someone and you just go in for a kiss
1: Uh, I just... Uh, <laughs> i'm a bit speechless because i'm just if a man tells you that he is a murderer and yet you still lean in for the kiss it's also a bit frustrating too on ethan's end because right before this he says i have to save my son sir you should be prioritizing how to save your son okay yeah there's a lot of red
0: flags The number one he could be a serial killer. It's looking less likely right now. She acted like she didn't even hear that.
1: Well, she also said that, uh, I know you're not the origami killer. I can prove it. But then proceeds to start making out with him. And I said, didn't you just say that you can prove he's not the killer? So why not show the evidence?
0: Well, especially because he doesn't even know if
1: he's the killer or not. He still thinks he's the killer. And she's not going right? to tell him the proof? She knows that he should be prioritizing saving Sean. Imagine them sleeping together takes too much time and then <laughs> a son dies. And it's funny it just... you say that
0: because I have a note that says, he just said, in quotes, saving Sean is all that matters now. <laughs> I don't think they have time for this. It's pouring down rain. Sean is slowly drowning. And also, Ethan's half dead right now. How good is this really gonna be? Is it gonna be worth it? I don't.
1: (laughs) Madison is just infatuated with him since day one. She doesn't care if he's limp. (laughs) God. Okay, taking a
0: step back, they do give you the choice to reject or accept this kiss. I wanted to reject it.
1: I was yelling at (laughs) Leah, reject it. I know.
0: I thought you were gonna be so mad at me if I rejected it. And that's the no. only reason
1: I accepted it. <laughs> no. If this was a Majima situation, it's a different answer. But this is not. You know how I felt about Madison and the way they wrote female characters not in this game. Not when I was playing
0: the game. I didn't oh, that know is anything true. yet. That is like- true.
1: Because you played the entire game before we started reacting.
0: Unfortunately, this, this kiss leads to further activities. And they make you control way too much of this. I felt way too involved in this situation. I was way too close to what was happening with them breathing down your neck and then the controls for taking off the clothing is it necessary no not at it's all no also another enormous issue probably second to they should be saving Sean there's a bed 2 inches away from them they're so close to it that they're they're touching it they're bumping into it but no let's stay on the motel room floor disgusting disgusting Ethan then wakes up in the bed, so at least they didn't sleep on the floor. He opens up the last origami figure, which reads, The Last Letters, the 961 Rainbow Lane. And he's getting ready to leave, and he says something like, Clean break, I better get out of here. Was he just
1: gonna dine in dash her? He was just gonna leave. He was, but this is also coming from a guy who doesn't really make much sense, because what kind of person <laughs> would open origamis one at a time. Like, why would you open them all at the same time?
0: Sorry, I'm just imagining you, like, as his doctor. What's the diagnosis? Uh, he doesn't make much sense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm a bit frustrated with him. I'm frustrated with Madison. There's a lot of things about the scheme so far and the characters that are making me a bit cranky.
0: But as he's getting ready to leave, he knocks some items out of Madison's coat pocket. One of them is a camera. Which includes a very disturbing picture of Ethan sleeping. It also contains a notepad. And this is when Ethan figures out that she is a journalist. She tries to explain herself. And then, okay, so she says that she wants to be with him. And again, how do you know that already? She's
1: never even met the kid yet.
0: (laughs) Well, this is where I expected you to again get mad at me, but I was like, I already accepted the kiss. I'm going to reject her here because I don't like this. I think she's being dumb. I'm glad you
1: rejected it because I was yelling at you to reject it too.
0: Yeah, because he's right. She took advantage of him and he can't trust her anymore. Do you believe her?
1: The fact that these two characters are so irresponsible... I can see her being sincere, but from someone who is looking straight and looking at her, I wouldn't believe her. I, There's a lot of things wrong with her, and I feel like we can't tell when she's being sincere and when she's not.
0: I agree. And I really thought she was lying until I listened to her thoughts when she was leaving, and she says I meant what I said. So I guess it's true. I still don't understand. But on her way out, she sees a bunch of cops, including Blake, arriving at the motel And she uses the phone in the office to call Ethan and warn him. Ethan's able to make a very narrow escape after being chased along the roof. He does a fall, jump off of a roof to get away. And then he steals a cab. But also, why does the cab driver then just sit in the middle of the road? I get that it sucks to have your cab stolen, but now you're also cold and you have a
1: soggy butt. He's waiting for some kind of financial compensation for having his cab stolen.
0: We are back to Scott, Shelby, And it seems that like Kramer must have put the squeeze on Lauren, who has let him and his goons into Scott's apartment, where he gets jumped upon entering. He then wakes up in a submerged car to find himself and Lauren are restrained, and Lauren is unconscious. She was accepting the
1: risk of being with him and probably dying. That's true. That is a fair point. Uh, But they don't die.
0: They get out of the car. And they kind of don't react enough to what just happened. I guess they're just in shock. Anyway, Scott asks if he can borrow Lauren's car because he's going to go settle some scores. He He shows up with a bang at the Kramer mansion. He drove Lauren's car through the wall. It's probably totaled. You can't drive that again. That's pretty rude.
1: Doesn't he have his own car?
0: I I, th- I thought so. If <laughs> he, he's going to make... Oh, no, no. His car is at the bottom of the lake. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> Whoa. We were almost just real stupid. <laughs> Dodged that one narrowly. <laughs> yeah. So he gets out of the car and uh, starts just shooting everyone and eventually makes it up to Kramer in his office. And he beats the truth about his son out of him. Kramer says...
1: He wanted to, to be like the origami killer. He kidnapped that kid and he held him under the water for a little too long.
0: Okay, that's it's called murder. <laughs> Red flag number one of him not understanding. And then he, he continues to say it was an unfortunate accident and Gordy was crying, so he felt really sorry.
1: Why is he still protecting his son, who's obviously showing signs of being a psychopath? And sure, even if he's regretful that first time he commits murder, he still should suffer some kind of consequences, or at least take him to see a therapist, because, my goodness, that does not sound normal. Normal people just don't worship killers and want to pretend and, and have the same MO as them. Right. And he's
0: essentially covering up a murderer. We know he paid people off. That's not good. <laughs> He's going to get what's coming to him, though. Scott starts to leave, but Charles makes a big mistake. And for whatever reason, whatever unknown reason, says... No one will miss him. Talking about the boy that Gordy killed. Why did he say this? Because he's arrogant and he's stupid. (laughs) He's really stupid. Obviously, this angers Scott, who returns and questions him some more about John Shepard. To which Kramer responds, I own the construction site where he died. I never forgot. Which uh, you called in the last episode. Thank you. So good job on that one. Yay. He also tells Scott that John's mother's name is Anne. So a little bit more of a lead there. And then again on his way out the door, Scott is then asked by an ailing Charles to bring him his pills. Because he seems to be having a heart attack. So I got the pills. And then I just left with them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I feel so good about that decision. He had it coming. He had it coming. The audacity. There was no way I was leaving those pills in that room. Do we need to do so long for him? Obviously, he's a so long mother. I don't know how you could justify. So long. Mother. There is no justification. I don't care if he cared about his son. I don't care if you felt bad about the kid dying at his construction site. If you feel bad and still do nothing, that makes you even worse in my book. I think that's all there is to say about this guy. Yep. Nothing
1: else. We shouldn't even spare an extra thought about him.
0: Madison found Anne Shepard. She arrives at the hospital, and she's able to eventually bypass Anne's extremely frustrating Alzheimer's. To learn that, we're going to go through a couple of things here. The origami dog was John's favorite, and he always named them Max. She put orchids on John's grave when he died. And I don't think I want to say the
1: last one yet. So anything yet in this scene that you want to talk about? A scene so far, we can chalk it up to being a very useless 15 minutes. (laughs) I mean, we, we do have some things we need from it, but I think that in this entire part, this is probably the most useless scene To be
0: fair, I completely butchered the origami part, so that added some time. There were cranes in the room, so I thought, sure, it's the crane. That's a clue. I'm supposed to make the crane one. Nope. And I was like, well, the hummingbird, that's a bird. So (laughs) I made that one. No, of course it's the dog that we've seen 12 times in this game. I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) But I I agreed with you that it was pretty much useless, except that I found a nugget. I found a little interesting nugget. So... Madison asks her about Carnaby Square, and Anne says, I used to live there. And if you remember back from episode one, after Ethan's blackout, he wakes up and the street sign we see is Carnaby Corner North. So we don't know how he gets here, but is this a construction site where John died, only
1: it's fully built now? Sure, but I'm also (laughs) curious... If all the other dads are also waking up and standing in that same spot, or is it unique to just Ethan?
0: Right. So that's my question. Either he is the killer or has some connection to the events that happened there, or somehow the killer is, like, drugging him and dropping him off there. I think we might have to circle back to this question, but it is a burning question for me. So back on your topic of this taking way too long, I I get that she needs to find the name before time runs out, but could she not at this point tell the cops what she knows? Is she not endangering Sean's life by not handing over some of this information, this life-saving information?
1: That's actually a note I had in the next few sections down. She doesn't document anything. She doesn't call for help. So what if you find it? If someone accidentally kills you, all that effort goes to nowhere. You're not on speaking terms with Ethan in, at this point right now.
0: Yeah, I agree. But to play devil's advocate, my only potential thought is maybe she's telling that Sam guy that told her where a creepy doctor lived, Dr. Formaldehyde. That's my only thought, but I agree with you. She, I feel like she is endangering Sean's life a little bit.
1: If she really wanted to help Ethan, she would have tried to get as many resources to help him, right? But she's not. And it's not like she can single-handedly save sean with all her investigator skills
0: yeah i agree with you i think it's a little irresponsible by the way poor Anne, she lost both sons one of them's dead nobody comes to see her she hates the hospital they won't give her a tv i feel so bad for her go visit your grandma everybody or grandpa (laughs) yes so Anne does eventually tell her the name but we don't hear it she whispers it to her But Madison acts shocked. So we're back to Ethan. He arrives at the final trial. Are you prepared to give your life to save your sons? And he has to take a vial of poison that will kill him in 60 minutes. But he'll have time to say goodbye to Sean and save him. So he takes the poison without much hesitation, gets the full address, 852 Theater Result Road, and
1: heads out. Who's to know whether or not he actually drinks it? I don't know what time period this was set but did they have live stream cameras back then 2010 probably okay i would think so he could like drink and just keep it in his mouth and everything he didn't have to swallow it who's to know?
0: he could have at least tried something but maybe it's just too risky if you get caught i don't know fair point though
1: but at the same time he kind of wouldn't care because he did murder someone hello are we forgetting that He also is a murderer, so even if he died saving his son, and if his son survives, and he dies, that's fine, because probably a lifetime sentence. It's true. Definitely
0: premeditated. And now, we're back to Norman. He's very frustrated going over the evidence when Blake enters into his office, and tries to kick him out saying that they have their killer. But Norman is adamant that Ethan is not their guy. We finally see Jaden snap. He's progressed from the throat grab of the, uh... I don't know if he grabbed his throat, but at least a shirt. Of the goon at the nightclub. So he shouts, You are a... And then I just wrote play audio, so I don't remember the quote, but we'll play it.
1: You are an unbalanced, psychopathic asshole!
0: And this is the first time that we've seen Blake not really get affected by Jaden jabbing at him. Is it because he got to Jaden by making him scream?
1: I was actually thinking that maybe... Blake is secretly proud of Jaden to being more like him, of being aggressive and easily heated. So I think Blake is just trying to corrupt Jaden and seeing him like that makes him happy.
0: He finally leaves Norman alone, though, and he jumps into Ari, but gets the same warning he received earlier, Butler Ari telling him not to overindulge. A little bit foreboding. He uses the two gas station receipts from the killer's pocket to narrow down geo-analysis, and also discovers that Ari was recording during the fight in Paco's office. He does notice that the assailant is wearing the same watch that the PD gives as Lieutenant Gifts, and he figures it out. The killer is a cop. Before we move on, I feel like this scene shows us why Jaden has so much trouble overindulging, because we see how desperate he is to solve this case before... Ethan's arrested or Sean dies, he doesn't really have much of a choice. He has to go into
1: Ari, he has to go over the evidence, and he has to solve the case. Otherwise, people die. But at the same time, what kind of police is he that he has to rely on this kind of technology and can't do police work without Ari? I think it's just bad. I mean, it's basically just a computer, but on his face. With all the trade-offs of having the shakes and everything.
0: But on your point, I sort of agree with you because a lot of this information could just be in a computer for him to review the files. I feel like where Ari is necessary is the actual investigation, the crime scene investigation where we saw him, like, scanning and finding clues. But after that, when you have the information gathered, could that not just be sent to a computer so you don't have to be an Ari? So after discovering the killer is a cop, he considers Blake but decides to keep investigating and finds that there's only one cop living in the geoanalysis zone. Jaden finds out that he owns a warehouse on the docks. So he heads out. Anything else in scene five? Nope. We now see Scott Shelby and Lauren at a train station, and he's sending her away, presumably to keep her safe. And they didn't give me an option this time, Kathy. They were forced to kiss, and I have to say, Lauren did not look very into it. She looks like a dead fish. She stood there like a piece of plywood, (laughs) arms on her side. We then see a flashback to the drowning. John's brother is trying to get their dad to help, but he refuses and is just a giant (laughs) The brother runs back, and as John dies, he says, Don't forget about this guy. And we have finally revealed the killer, Scott Shelby. And we then see him modern day destroying evidence that he has collected, from his victim's parents. Before we move on. I had a question. So little boy Scott. In the flashbacks. When he runs he does this like. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Do you think that has to do with asthma? Do you think that's a clue? That's such a good point. But at the same time. Do you think that he was faking his asthma? Because he's never had that attack afterwards. After shooting all the people. And. That kind of exercise that would have prompted him to have an asthma attack. And so my question is that do you really think that he has asthma?
0: I do because we saw him buy an inhaler and we also find a couple around his apartment. So I think he does have asthma. I do agree that he probably needed a puff after (laughs) everything that happened. Maybe we just didn't see it. And I'm wondering if this huffing and puffing is a clue to people who understand asthma better. Of who this little boy is before I find out.
1: Mm-hmm. And they freaking made them go through a Titanic situation by <laughs> grabbing his hand and then letting go. I have never seen Titanic. Oh my God, Leah! Need to watch and I it don't together. feel bad about it. It is a very long movie. I will. I will see. It kind of traumatized me. I watched that one also. I was way too young to watch it. There's nudity in it, Kathy.
0: Even I know that.
1: How old were you? (laughs) What did I watch? It was on TV. So I think they blurred it or something Uh, or they cut it out. That makes sense. So it appears
0: Anne did give Madison the correct name because she has tracked Shelby down as the killer and arrives at his place to search for Sean's location. Things get dicey. But before we get there, she figures out that he used to be a cop. And that's why children trusted him. And then she finds the secret room where he grows orchids. Mixes origamis and types up his letters. There's also a live stream of Sean slowly drowning. But also, on this computer, the password is Max? Really? Max, three letters? That's your password?
1: How did they even allow him to have such a short password? <laughs> How is
0: it just three letters? I don't. After the insane complicated scenarios this guy creates. His password is Max.
1: (laughs) And we're talking about a guy who crawled through small little vents or little (laughs) pretty much tubes, sprinkled shattered (laughs) glass all the way down the pathway. And he has a password named Max. Who would have thought?
0: It shocks me. I find it shocking. But anyway... Scott catches her, locks her in the secret room, and sets the place on fire. He also left a propane can in the apartment, just for fun. Madison is able to escape just before the explosion, and we we noticed something. She's in the building, running down the stairs. She doesn't warn anybody that there's about to be a massive explosion.
1: What a great journalist and a great person, huh? Could just yell fire. Right? And the thing is that she has been so incredibly nosy, but doesn't warn anyone. And she's just so reckless. She doesn't tell anyone anything. It is just very frustrating. Like, the moment she knows Shelby is a killer, why didn't she warn anyone? I know. Based on how she reacted when Anne said, and we're assuming Scotty's name, how does she know Scott is the Scotty that is talking about
0: I found that odd too as the player we have no indication that she knows who that is so I don't know I don't know how she knows him maybe she just knows private investigators but she acts like she's like no him no way not like it's just some random guy some random private investigator mm-hmm. so I do find that odd I also find it odd that she suddenly knows Norman Jaden as well that too she calls him now Now, out of of all times you call him, not when you were trying to figure out the adopted name or before you got to his apartment when you figured out who it was. Now you call him and she tells him who the killer is, where he's got Sean. And
1: then Jaden just goes, wait, I already know all this. And how does Jaden not try to convince Blake that Ethan is not the killer?
0: I think he's gone based off the next scene. Blake is at the warehouse, so I think he's already taken off to go. arrest The man Ethan. has a
1: phone; you can
0: call him. <laughs> he knows he's not gonna do. He's not gonna answer the phone. There's no way he's gonna answer the phone. It's true. All right, we're at the end of the game. Ethan arrives at the warehouse and is confronted by Scott, who quote has been looking for a father who could do what mine could not do. He talks about being able to make a sacrifice to save his son. But his dad, Shelby's dad, didn't need to make a sacrifice to save John. All he had to do was stand up and walk a few meters in a direction and pull his kid out of there. What sacrifice does
1: that require? And the thing is that if we're really talking about sacrifices, what would have been a sacrifice... Is if Scott jumped into the water with his brother, swam down to the bottom, and helped free his leg. That would have been a sacrifice because he would be risking his life.
0: Right. But he's he's not making a sacrifice. So why is he making these fathers go through such horrendous torture? It doesn't match, in my opinion.
1: Honestly, and giving some thought about this afterwards, too... I, low-key, feel like they were just scrambling to get an ending in and and justifying. I feel like later we'll talk about some of the loose ends. But here, I feel like they're just trying to figure out a reason to justify him killing people. There's, like, one piece missing. It's Mm -hmm. like they were
0: choosing between the theory of Ethan testing himself, which is a good theory, and then just letting a kid drown. Like, there's no... There's no connection between those two things. It's like they wanted that theory, but they wanted the reasoning for it to be a father needs to make a sacrifice. But what happened back in time didn't really require a sacrifice. So I think that's the disconnect. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that made any sense, but I'll cut it to try to make sense. He also remembered Ethan from the mall incident where Jason died he saw him dive in front of the car and that's why he targeted him but what about all the other kids how does he choose his targets so here's what i think so we know from the newspaper article in part one at ethan's sad apartment that the origami killer is sort of reappearing so maybe there's been a bit of a break and back in time he's still been searching for the perfect father to test and then he witnesses Ethan do this, and he's like, "Oh, I have my next victim," and so that's
1: when he resurfaces as the killer so is he constantly on the lookout for people to test and people to murder? Yeah, I think so. Why choose to put these boys in a situation where they're drowning someone to his brother and also test the death so What's the purpose? So what if they pass? So what if they sacrifice everything that he wished his dad did? What's the end goal of everything, right? But what's Scott trying to get out of it? I think that's the question. And maybe that's something that we'll never know about psychopaths and serial killers. And this is just an immediate response to your question, and we might address
0: this further in the summary. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking the reason for the test, and he says he wants to, he's been looking for a father who would be able to do what mine could not do. I think maybe he's trying to figure out, does that father even exist? And if the answer is no, then maybe that would help him cope with what happened a little bit more. As in, like, his father's not quite the he thought he was. And then if the answer is yes, then he has his answer, at least, and that might in some way help him cope a little bit. Shelby continues to say,
1: Do you have any idea how it feels to be a worthless nothing in your father's eyes? Believe me, I've suffered just as much as my victims.
0: No. There's no justification for this. But yeah, his dad sucked. But what do you feel about this line?
1: I think it's something that people do when they want to justify their actions and knowing that they're wrong they're trying to make it seem like they're right and Mm -hmm. I think part of it might have to do with that their logic itself is a bit wonky and I think for him it seems completely logical because his mind is a bit skewed already and so I can see from his point of view I understand it but from someone who isn't into killing young 10 year old boys (laughs) I would think that you can't justify it.
0: Even if you're psychopathic serial killer, there's still going to be some internal processing that's, I would assume, trying to understand why you're doing what you're doing. And maybe this is his reason for coping with what he's doing. All right, so Shelby then draws a gun on Ethan as he turns his back to him to try to free Sean. But then Agent Norman Jaden comes flying in for the rescue, tackles him out of nowhere, and then pursues
1: a fleeing Shelby. How does Jaden not hear Shelby run towards him? Shelby isn't a like a skinny dude. And this is something that I noticed with Jaden is that he has a massive blind spot behind him. <laughs> Even with Ari's help, he never notices when someone's behind him.
0: I'm gonna say in this instance, it was really loud. I think there's okay. a lot of noise going on. Mm-hmm. But I and maybe that's the same case for at Mad Jack's too. But I do feel like that one is a little harder to explain. And I do feel like ours should have some sort of alert. But yeah, they're fighting. And then we see a butt ton of cops down below. And I guess none of them are going to go help Norman. They're just going just gonna to let him dangle up there. But then we see it's Blake. So of course not. He's not going to let anyone go up there. And then Madison arrives, confronts Blake, and tries to convince him that Ethan is innocent. But he's having none of it.
1: So when Madison goes up to Blake, she's like, I can prove it. I have evidence. And he's Mm -hmm. innocent. Yet she doesn't say anything else to convince him. She doesn't bring out any of the evidence. She should have gave them evidence. Because we know that so much can go wrong. And considering how she knows they're about to shoot Ethan. Yet she Mm -hmm. says, he's innocent. But I'm not going to show you. And I'm going to try to ride my bike and (laughs) save Ethan when he's likely to come out and get a bullet through his head. Because there's snipers everywhere because I fail to provide the evidence that I say I have. I agree. We'll get to the
0: motorcycle nuts. in a second because <laughs> I, have, I have more on that. But yeah, the least she could do is throw some evidence in his face. Show him some mm-hmm. pictures.
1: What a terrible <laughs> journalist she is. She doesn't even document any of this or demonstrate any of her skills or provide any evidence. It just drives me crazy
0: or she's too good of a journalist so she's still keeping everything under wraps even though it's keeping people in danger. But then we cut back to inside. Ethan is able to free and revive Sean just as the time on his watch runs out, but he doesn't die from the poison. But I would not be so relieved yet. It's been 60 minutes on the dot. You don't know that it's not going to like be
1: 2 seconds. 60 minutes and 2 seconds. 61 minutes. I know, it could be like a stroke-inducing poison and he's just not going to die exactly then. It's going to sneak up on him. He took the 60 60 minutes
0: a little too seriously. Why would he even trust a killer? So, yeah, the motorcycle. Why? (laughs) Why does she drive her motorcycle like a madwoman through all the cops? I understand she needs to get to the door quickly to get inside the warehouse, but what's wrong with a straight line?
1: I feel like she's just so cocky and arrogant between watch me ride my bike and weave around (laughs) you guys and do donuts, and also, I don't need to document anything. I can go and save (laughs) Sean by himself and do all the investigation without telling a single person, even though it might endanger Sean, because I could possibly die, and no one would know what's up. You are never going to let this go. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I feel like I'm more heated than the whole Makoto and Wajima situation. No. Roll roll the audio (laughs) file. Yakuza 0 ending. (laughs) I hate the scene. I hate it so much. (laughs) Okay, I I do agree with you and admit that I was more pissed that time around. (laughs) But I just feel like there's so much improvements they could have done with Madison's character. So instead of opting for the straight line option,
0: she swerves around and almost, well, she actually does fall off of her motorcycle, but thankfully near the door, and she runs inside to warn Ethan, and then bam, we're back to Jayden. He sent that TV flying into Shelby's face like it was nothing. It's like he just tossed a playing card.
1: Yes. And why are there not any emergency stops on that machine? So many OSHA violations. He probably took them all off, because I guess this is Shelby's place.
0: Some more things are are tossed. A wrench hits Shelby square in the face. Fantastic. Very satisfying to see. And he's about to fall into a grinder, but reaches his hand up and begs Norman for help. Norman decides to pull him up, only to be attacked. We'll just get this out of the way. He gets attacked. But in the struggle, Scott ends up falling into the grinder, and Jaden is unscathed. First of all, Shelby deserved that. I don't think uh, you disagree. (laughs) Second of all, let's talk about this parallelism between John's death and Shelby's death. It feels almost like Jaden kind of completes the circle. Because we had John asking for help, but Shelby couldn't offer it. But then when he ends up in a situation where he needs someone to help him, someone does help him and pulls him up. But fate says I don't think so, <laughs> and he ends up dying anyway, falling into the same pit that he would have fallen into, whether or not Jaden pulled him up. And I feel like the, just like the circle closes here somehow, but I can't
1: quite form the the thought. I think part of it is the karma that I I well okay before we even get there, we we gotta recognize two things: is that one this is about age that. Scott wasn't able to help save his brother due to his age and his capabilities and everything. Mm -hmm. And yet, this current present moment, Jaden is a full-grown adult with FBI training, so I feel like it's really difficult to compare them. But the full circle part comes in with Karma because Scott let that ruin him, because he chose to continue hurting other kids, and because he's a full-grown adult and he still made the conscious decision to put different dads and families through this, I feel like the death of him, of even being saved, still dying, is karma. And it's payback for all the negative actions he did because he should have known better as an adult. And we're not blaming him as a child, but the full-grown adult, Should have been making a better decision.
0: It's not so much about comparing. It's more about the symbolism of it, Mm -hmm. I guess. So he's in the same situation that John was in. I don't know if he recognizes it in this moment. But he begs for help as a serial killer to an FBI agent who's hunting him down. And he receives the help. And I feel like in that moment, he has an option, right? You know, he can say you know, arrest me and accept this help and accept what he's done at the same time. But instead of accepting this option that, like, fate gives him of repenting for what you've done, redeeming yourself for what you've done, he continues to attack his, (laughs) the person who saves him. And so then the universe, again, is like, I gave you a chance. You didn't take it. You're going in the grinder. <laughs> I I almost feel like that's that's what happens here. Is he gets that chance. Jaden gives him that chance to be redeemed, to accept what he did and the consequences of what he's done. But he doesn't take it.
1: And so he's punished for that. I agree with you that he had the chance to redeem himself, but he chose not to. And I think that the bad person in him continued because he'd rather take down jaden and die with jaden than to die by himself and so i think that there is no redeeming there is no goodness of him left Mm -hmm. i say that knowing that he could have killed lauren at any point but he chose not to so maybe there is still a hint but i think ultimately i don't know if he recognizes that he's a bad person
0: I think he's not willing to admit it to himself, and I think that's why he tries to justify what he's doing by saying, like, oh, I'm damaged, basically, which you would be. That sucks, but not everyone who has a horrible, horrific event happen to them becomes a serial killer. But I think it's very poetic. It's almost the same shot. We should pull them up side by side for Instagram. Do we need to uh, do a little bit of a so long for Scott Shelby?
1: I think so. As much as I would have loved to see him redeem himself, I think it's ultimately a so long mother.
0: Pretty good case for a so long mother. <laughs> the only thing we can say is like he had it. He had it pretty rough. He went through some horrible, horrible things, but we still have choices and he made some pretty bad ones. And then Jaden gave him a chance to redeem himself and he refused. So I think this is the first time where someone pretty much chose to go out a mother. Mother. We now see the the epilogue, the aftermath of all these events. First of all, Sean is alive and well. He and Ethan get a new apartment. Ethan gets the credit he deserves for saving his son. They officially ID Shelby as the origami killer. As if there was any question, we do get confirmation here that he is indeed dead. So you said something that hopefully we did not cut in editing, where you said, oh, she better not become Sean's stepmother. Oh, (laughs) had I not rejected her after discovering she's a journalist, she would be in this scene with them. Are you
1: kidding me? I'm
0: not kidding. I'm not kidding.
1: There's no way I was going to let that happen. I am so glad you rejected it because having her as a stepmom means that one, Ethan isn't in jail for murdering someone, or two, that she probably continues to keep the murder a secret And three, Mm -hmm. Sean's mom is totally okay with this woman being the mom of her child where the mom chose to have other activities instead of saving Sean and prioritizing (laughs) her now stepson's life. And also Ethan totally being okay with Madison using their story and all their trauma to get an award and make profits off of it by writing a book. And so there's a Fred, lot to uncover there and unpack. You brought up a good point. Ethan gets away with murder. Mm, he does. He full on gets away with the murder. And I'm assuming that Madison never writes about that in her book. Well, because here's the thing. We see on
0: her, her camera pictures of the places he went. And that explains why she was at the location where he cut his finger off. So she had to have followed him there too, right? Mm-hmm. I guess she just couldn't get in the building or couldn't get in the apartment.
1: It seems like she would know. How does the investigation for Brad's death not get a notice by the FBA? And how did they not notice that the vomit there is all? <laughs> <Ethan's>? <laughs>
0: Honestly, I feel like that guy was pretty shady. Probably some sort of drug dealer. They were probably like, ah, he had it coming. It was one of his customers.
1: His customer puked all over his
0: carpet. Have you seen Breaking Bad? Mm Mm-mm. Well, drugs and puke go hand in hand sometimes. Oh, okay. (laughs) But getting to seeing Madison after the fact, she won a Pulitzer Prize. She has a book. And she's on a talk show, and the host is like, you almost single-handedly saved Sean Mars. And then later, she's at a book signing. And what the heck happens? Is this Dr. Formaldehyde calling mockery? But it's,
1: it's I, in her imagination. I don't understand. So this is where I start getting more questions. Why is all of a sudden Ethan stopping with his blackouts, right? What is up with that, that he had a lot enough to go to see the psychologist and he's always dreaming about drowning and stuff? We don't address that. We don't address what happened to the psychologist who pretty much misled the FBI saying that, oh, he dropped this origami. We're getting similar reactions of Madison seeming like she's about to black out. And and it's after someone named Vincent asking for the book signing and everything. So there's just a lot of confusion when it comes comes to that point. The guy walks up to her and says that
0: his name is Vincent. To me, it really sounds like the doctor. Mm -hmm. But the doctor's name is Adrian. But we know from the first time where we get really confused when we're introduced to Madison, who is this lady? She's dreaming, right? Like, she wakes up mm-hmm. from that, where it's not a hallucination. So has it just her insomnia gotten worse to the point where she's hallucinating while she's awake? And this is what that is? But if that's so, who the heck is Vincent? Because it would make sense if it was a doctor, because that was a traumatic experience. Hmm. Anyway, she looks up, and there's no one there.
1: But she is still holding a book, though, isn't she?
0: Yeah, she was so convinced this was real that she wrote the name in the book.
1: Well or is it that Vincent had her sign something and as she was signing it, Vincent just stepped away and just left and disappeared.
0: I don't think I don't see why someone would do that unless it's a hint of a potential sequel. Cause he says that you need a more formidable enemy. And so maybe he's got his eye on her and wants to challenge her. But going back to what the the host said about Madison single handedly saving Sean, did she? Did she save him? Because Jaden gets there first.
1: And also, she's not the one doing CPR on Sean. His dad is.
0: All she did was solve it after Jaden, get there after Ethan revived Sean, (laughs) and take all the credit. (laughs) Seriously. We then see Jaden. He's on the same talk show, also gets recognition for his work. And the host also tells him that he saved Sean Mars single-handedly. So who's, who saved Sean Mars, Kathy? Ari continues to drive him down a dark path. He flushes the trypto, though. So is this confirmation that the tryptocane is what causes the damage? But how is he going to make
1: it without the tryptocane, though?
0: Right, and that's the question, because we see he's in Ari. There's a tank game, and these tanks show up on his desk while he's in Ari. Then he takes off his glasses... And they're still there, and you can see he's confused, tries to take the glasses off, but they're already off. And so the realities are mixing again. I'm pretty sure we can say with a fairly high degree of certainty that this is what the tryptocane fixes, is this commingling of the two realities. If the tryptocane is what hurts him, what happens if this
1: intermixing keeps happening? Does he just go insane? I think he just won't be able to tell... What's real, what's not, and where to step and everything. Because he'll be essentially blind to the real world. Why is the police department not taking back all the RE's? It must just help with the investigation so much that it's worth it. At the point of exchanging the life of your police officers in order to do some good police work and everything, it's like, how do you balance that? Maybe it's
0: like we mentioned that he's just so focus on his job in solving the cases that he's in it maybe more than he's supposed to be. Maybe there's a suggested time limit and he's not sticking to that.
1: What if there is no correlation between the tryptocaine and Ari that is just a normal drug that he got addicted to and, and he keeps using the drugs and Ari just happens to be another tool that they're not related? Do you think that maybe that's the case?
0: I think the tryptocaine is linked. I think we have enough evidence Mm -hmm. To support that it is to dampen the effects of being an Mm Ari, But I wouldn't doubt that he's addicted to it. I think the shakes are withdrawals from it. Mm -hmm. I think that he's probably going over the recommended limit because Mm -hmm. he's committed to his job. But I would love Mm -hmm. to see answers. I would love to see a game that explains what the heck is going on and what... What really happens if you continue to use it too much? I would love to see that. Anything before we get to Lauren? Nope. This poor woman. (laughs) She's clearly learned the truth and she visits Scott's grave. She gets it the worst in this game. Not only does the man who killed her son kiss her, lie to her, get her to trust him, total her car. (laughs) Biggest victim in the whole game.
1: And it was only because Shelby kept prying
0: that Mm -hmm. everything
1: happened. And I can just imagine if she initially ignored him to begin with, she probably would have never been where she is today. But so your QTE. So last week you got 94.44 and we hope that you were going to increase your score, which you did 94.57. Nice. So 0.13%. Oh, man. Something I wanted to say
0: about how unique these controls are in this game. I did better at the QTEs than I did at the normal controls (laughs) of just walking around, picking things up, opening cupboards. That should never be the case. The QTEs should be the hardest part of the controls in any game that has them. And I think that just shows you how horrible these (laughs) hand-cramp-inducing <laughs> mechanics are.
1: And I know I'm not alone in this. And so with the camera angles and trying to prompt the controls to do prompts so you can, like, open a door or something.
0: Yeah, trying to open the, the medicine cabinet in Shelby's bathroom is Madison. I almost threw the controller. <laughs> are you feeling better about the ending than some of the other games that we've played? I... I would
1: say this is the second to the last game, not quite satisfied, but it's not going to keep me up at night and texting <laughs> you in the middle of the night saying that I hate this game. This is this is not that. This game is one of the unique one where I'll accept the ending, but I have so many questions and there's a lot of areas where it could have improved and tie some of those loose ends and. Mhm. Is it? bad that i thought that sean should have died considering how long they <laughs> took to save him just a lot of areas where i feel like they could have flushed it out a bit more and, and did a do a better mm-hmm. job of it
0: yeah it's like they're not plot holes but there's a lot of like
1: loose ends
0: there's a lot of um makeshift bridges
1: over the plot holes but how is everything seeing so like Yippee! <laughs> at at the end, like Sean doesn't have any PTSD, and and Ethan's happy and free, and Madison's earning big banks off her books and getting Pulitzer, and and Jaden is getting the recognition. Like, how is everything mm-hmm. okay? Like, how are their lives yeah. not destroyed?
0: It's an interesting point because we see both Jaden and Madison get recognition for what they've done and some success, but then we see both of them sort of have this dark moment of, oh no, something's gonna go wrong with these two. And then in contrast we see Sean and Ethan who are totally fine. It's like nothing ever happened except you lost a little bit of your pinky. Is that just a sort of an imagery to show you like what it cost to buy these these people their freedom and get them their lives back? Is that just the cost that Madison paid and that Jaden paid? To allow them to be happy? Is that just some symbolism? Or is Sean and Ethan's happiness just temporary and they don't realize the ramifications, the effect of what they've gone through?
1: I'm used to you picking sad games that this is not sitting well with me. <laughs> well. On that
0: note. I guess I won't I won't tell you what other games we have in store. Oh gosh, Leah.
1: <laughs> just going to make you sweat a little bit.
0: Uh, We've been recording for two hours, so...
1: Yeah, so let's wrap (laughs) it up. It's almost midnight. Okay, Audacity on one, three, two, one. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to send in any questions,
0: comments, or game suggestions. You can find all our contact info on our website, replayreviewspod.com,
1: or contact us directly through our site. Did we completely miss something? Are we way off the mark? Or do you just want us to take a deeper look at anything from the game? We'll tackle any topics you all want to hear in our season wrap-up episode.
0: We also have a Reddit where we discuss anything we're curious about. Go take a look and let us know what you're thinking. Our theme music is Condemned by Eggy Toast. They'll play you out and we'll be back next week with the summary episode.